chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Let us stand for the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. Hear the Word of God. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azorus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, You again have blessed us uh, through the giving of Your holy and inerrant Word. And to God we pray through this power of the same Holy Spirit who spoke to Philip that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive Your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. These are one of these passages of Scripture where there is a lot going on. This is a passage of the Bible that you could almost go verse by verse and, and, and still not come to the end of all that this passage teaches. But today we're going to take one particular aspect of this passage and we're going to talk about it in depth. And like I said, there is things like baptism... Uh, that are pertinent in this passage. There is the way in which we read the Old Testament that we can learn a lot from here. Uh, We can even learn quite a bit about uh, the nation in which uh, the Ethiopian eunuch had come. But this morning I want to focus on what brought these two men to this point in history. 
We can obviously testify in kind of the big picture that what brought them together was God. Of course, we believe that God is sovereign over all things, that His providence rules all things, that this man and Philip were meant from before the foundation of the world to be present together in the first century on this road uh, on the south end of Jerusalem, and that Philip uh, was made in the image of God to preach Christ to this Ethiopian eunuch whose entire existence had led up to this moment. And we can also testify uh, that what we see uh, from the Ethiopian eunuch is an interest in the things of God. And what is it about the Ethiopian eunuch that has led him to this point? Of course, what is kind of the underlying thing that has brought the Ethiopian eunuch to be reading the prophet Isaiah out loud in his chariot. Of course, we know that in the day of Solomon, uh, that Queen Sheba came from the south and came up to Israel to learn of the wisdom that she had heard so much. And Queen Sheba, of course, came to believe that Jehovah was the one and true God. And Queen Sheba had taken the knowledge of Jehovah back to her kingdom in the south. Of course, we know that Queen Sheba had come from the land of Ethiopia. And so we know that this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, had grown up in a society, in a culture, that knew of the God of Israel. And we hear as he comes that obviously he's a faithful believer in the God of Israel. You know, why else would you make the travel from Ethiopia all the way to the land of Jerusalem? If not, to worship in the temple. Now, we are told something else about this gentleman, that he was a court official. Well, we know that he would not have been on court business because the Romans had a place he could do that in Egypt. You know, the Roman Empire had not uh, gone that far south in Africa, but the, Egypt, the, uh, the uh, Roman Empire had a colony or a protectorate, however you want to put it, in Alexandria in the land of Egypt. So if he had been on court business going to see the Romans, then he had no need to go all the way to Jerusalem. So we know that this man is coming and is on his way back, that is, from worshiping the Lord God. And we also see something else about the nature of his own faith in that he again is reading from the prophet Isaiah. One of the things we've seen in the book of Acts is that not everyone who had come to Jerusalem to worship was there for holy reasons. And we've seen earlier on in the Gospels, of course, that a lot of people came to Jerusalem to make money. We heard of Jesus turning over the, uh, the, the, the exchange tables in the temple. Now, those men had not come to the temple to offer sacrifices to the Lord out of a, 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 out of a, 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 a heart of service. We see that they had come in order to serve themselves. So this man could have been on that kind of labor. For There was a lot of money to be made in the selling of uh, sacrificial animals. 
There was a lot of money to be made in uh, exchanging currency. But again, we see this man is a holy man. A man who is seeking Jehovah for the right reasons. He is calm to worship and he is uh, reminding himself of what he has done. What he has come to do in the scriptures that he is reading. It's not, again, accidental, as if anything that God does is accidental, that he's reading Isaiah 53. Because as he has come to sacrifice on the Day of Atonement during the Passover, he is reading this passage that talks about sacrifice. This passage that talks about a a sacrifice. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? He's reading these servant songs in the prophet Isaiah. And you can kind of see the gears in his head. They're kind of rotating. And he's thinking there has to be more to what I've experienced than the death of these animals. There has to be something else going on here. And God in His mercy has prepared Philip for this day. Of course we know that Philip was a man after God's own heart. You remember back earlier in uh, the book of Acts uh, that we had heard of the, uh, these men who were chosen to be deacons. In Acts chapter 6, it is said that they were to find brethren of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And of course we hear Philip's name read in that section of Acts chapter 6. So we hear that he is a godly man, a man who is to be trusted, a man who is uh, of the knowledge of the holy things of God. So Philip is uniquely ready to be the man to speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. But we've also seen something else about Philip. You know, what did we hear last week about Philip's experience with evangelism? You know, Philip had gone to Samaria and he had preached the gospel of Christ and he had seen many come to faith. But Luke tells us about one particular incident that he had in this work of evangelism. He tells us of Simon the magician. We see as Philip is kind of made to look like a fool by Simon the magician. Remember there as Simon had been preaching and Simon had come to faith and Simon had been baptized by Philip. And then when when, uh, Peter had come and had started to question him, it became apparent that Simon uh, the Magus, Simon the magician, was not only a fraud, but he was a dangerous fraud. You can imagine there must have been some, some personal, not only sadness, but discouragement in the heart of Philip. We see something about the nature of God's gracious mercy to Philip that what does he experience next in the Gospel of Acts, but this amazing scene with the Ethiopian eunuch. Of course, it tells us something about the nature of the purpose of the preaching of Philip. You know, if we are out in the work of evangelism for our own glory, for our own uh, kind of uh, purposes, uh, to build ourselves up, of course, it's very easy to get discouraged. 
When you are not kind of bringing them in, when you're not having kind of outward success, again, it's easy to get discouraged. But Philip understands his mission much deeper than that. He understands that the work of salvation, the work of the gospel, is not on his account. But it is the power of God upon the hearts of unbelievers. That it's the Holy Spirit who's regenerating His covenant people, who is bringing His people unto Himself. And it's Philip's job to go out and to preach the gospel unvarnished, to preach it with power, to preach it with certainty, and that the Lord will draw His people unto Him. And so Philip, having been prepared for this moment, the Ethiopian eunuch, having been prepared for this moment, is made ready by the Holy Spirit to receive the good news of the Gospel. That's an important thing for each one of us to consider as we look at this passage. Again, how has God prepared us for the receiving of the Gospel? We've mentioned several times in in our walk through the book of Acts that many of us were converted as adults. Myself included, even though we may have grown up in the church, we did not come to true saving faith until we had exited high school or even college. And, and, And we look back and we wonder, well, why did I not get it when I was eight years old? Why did I not understand these things when I was 14? Why did God allow me to go through these things before calling himself, uh, calling me unto Himself? And of course, if we start thinking like that, it, 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 it will cause us to kind of fall into uh, a, a really unnecessary introspection. It will cause trouble in our soul. One of the things that's important for us to consider when we look unto our own salvation is not why it took so long, but that God did it anyway. That God is the one who called us out of darkness unto light. That He is the one who gave us new life in Himself. Because as we see here from the Ethiopian eunuch, and as we see from Philip, again, these faithful men who have been brought into this wonderful scene of gospel work, We see yet one more time about the nature of the way that God works through His people to bring forth glory unto Himself. Because what's one of the purposes we have seen throughout the Gospel or the book of Acts? Again, we've seen uh, these examples of the work of God in the hearts of men. We've seen the way uh, that uh, Jews have come to faith at Pentecost. We've seen the way that Jews have persecuted the church. We've seen the way that Gentiles have come to faith. And we've also seen the way that Gentiles have persecuted the church. Why is it that some Jews came to faith and others did not? Is it because they knew more about the Bible than other Jews did? Well, remember, who are the Jews that have been as vociferous against the preaching of the apostles as any? It's been those who have more knowledge than anyone else. As the Proverbs say, their knowledge puffeth up. Right? They've been blinded by their knowledge. Yet we've seen those who know almost nothing about the things of God coming to robust faith. And that's one of the reasons why in the midst of this scene here, as we again think about the preparation that's gone on between the Ethiopian eunuch who grew up in this land that had those who knew of Jehovah, 
And as we see Philip, as he's been prepared uh, for this day, uh, both uh, through his faithful testimony of his life and the preparation of the other apostles who had prepared him for this day, that we see such an amazing event. You know, of uh, this Ethiopian eunuch who who is reading the gospel or you know, the gospel of Isaiah out loud. Again, let's look one more time at, at the beginning of this passage. It says, "Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." You know, it's interesting here that Luke gives us this detail. He tells us this is desert. Now, why would he say that? First of all, of course, we don't live there, so we need to know what that area of the world looks like. But if you are thinking about, well, where do I need to go to reclaim the gospel? Is the desert the first place you're going to think of? Well, where did, where, where did Philip go first? Right? He went to Samaria. He went to a populated area. Where did the apostles go? Well, they stayed in Jerusalem, where everybody was. But Philip here is being told to go to the desert. And who lives in the desert? Well, by definition, no one lives in the desert. But what do we see from Philip? Do we see Philip kind of saying, you know what, Holy Spirit, I don't think that's the wisest thing to do. You know, I, I, you know, I think I would be a better use if you sent me to a city. You know, you, I would be a better use if you sent me here where these people are. But what do we see here from Philip? We see this obedience. And again, that obedience comes from the fact that he knows that it's not His Gospel that He preaches. That He is in service to the Lord our God. And this is a, 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 an example of mature faith. And it's one of those things that every one of us have to come to terms with at some point in time in our Christian life. That we are not the captains of our own ship. That we are not the ones who get to decide what our future is. That what we have been called to do is to be faithful to the command of the Lord our God. To be faithful to His providence. To trust in His wisdom. And understand that the Lord will take us where He wants us to be. And what can we testify in each one of our hearts this morning about what has happened when we have kicked against the goads of God's providence? How many times in our lives where we have been called by God to do one thing and, and, and we have said, surely God, that's not what you would want me to do. And we go off and do something else. And what is always the result of that kind of disobedience? It's always trouble. It is always unnecessary trials that we put ourselves through. Again, we see Philip here who's faithful to the providential leading of the hand of God. And he goes and he comes down to this desert, this place where no one is. But again, God had prepared the Ethiopian eunuch to be there. Again, we see the Ethiopian eunuch, as we've said, returning back from his time in Jerusalem. And he is going back unto the land of his people. Now, what do you think happens to the Ethiopian eunuch? as he returns back to his people. Well, if he had not met Philip, he would have gone back kind of going about his business. He would have remained a faithful uh, truster in Jehovah, a faithful attender of the sacrifices in Jerusalem. But the Lord had something else in mind for this Ethiopian eunuch. 
So again, from the foundation of the world, He had set forward this time that this man would be there. And He sent Philip to accomplish these things. And they go there and they meet one another. And it says there, and as he was returning, sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Now, you know, a lot of times we read stuff in the Bible, we need to you know, kind of put those pictures in our mind and get them right. That way they make sense. You know, when we think of chariots, we usually think of the kind of uh, military chariots that we see like in Ben-Hur or in, in, in whatever. Right? The, these chariots that are barely big enough for one man. Well, this kind of chariot would have been more like kind of the 15-passenger van version of a chariot. It would have been a, a chariot pulled by several horses. It probably would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of about 8 to 12 feet in length and, and, and diameter. And it would have been more than enough room for someone to come up and sit down and speak to him. And he goes and he gets up in the chariot and he, and he speaks to them. And as, it's, and as Luke tells us, he's reading Isaiah the prophet. And what it tells us as Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, you understand what you're reading. Now, again, if we're paying attention here, you know, a light bulb should go on. How in the world did, did Philip know that he was reading from Isaiah? Well, did he just kind of happen to look over his shoulder and see the, uh, the title at the top of the page? Well, remember, he's not reading a book, right? He's not reading a Bible that he bought at Lifeway, right? He's reading a scroll. And he's reading a scroll in Hebrew. And he's reading a scroll that does not have notations, doesn't have chapter numbers, it doesn't have verse numbers. It's just Hebrew, line after line after line. Philip knows he's reading the book of Isaiah because Philip knows the book of Isaiah. You know, this is a testimony, again, of the preparation that has gone into this moment. Again, Philip has been prepared to speak the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch because he had internalized the Word of God. And he had not internalized the Word of God merely to kind of win kind of theological jeopardy. But again, we've seen here that Philip is a faithful man of God. We see that Philip is a man who has prepared himself uh, through his daily devotional life to be in the presence of uh, this man at this time. Again, Philip was not sitting around five years before this saying, I can't wait to meet this guy on the road to Ethiopia. You know, I need to prepare myself uh, to meet the Ethiopian eunuch. It's not what he's thinking as he's sitting down in the morning and reading the prophet Isaiah. But we see again the nature of God's providential hand in our lives. And why it's so vitally important for us, again, not only to know the Word of God, but to know the Word of God in a way uh, that not only we can understand it when we hear it, but that we do so in order to build up our own spiritual life. Because that's what the Word of God has been given to us for. Again, it's not just kind of a a book of pithy sayings. It's not a book of helpful uh, stories. It's not a moral book. It's a testimony of who God is. That's why we refer to it as the revelation of the Lord our God. Again, every jot and tittle, every vowel, every consonant in the Bible has been given to us for our benefit. In this preparation that's gone on in the life of Philip to bring him to this moment. 
and is in the service of His love of His Savior. And as we hear them converse, we see Philip run to him. And he hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asks him, does he understand? And the Ethiopian eunuch, again, tells us something about the nature of his own spiritual uh, mind. As he says, how can I unless someone guides me? Again, we see this man is, is seeking. This man is, 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 is kind of sitting there, scratching his head, knowing that there's something more here. And we see as Philip takes him under his wing and he says to him, and Philip opened his mouth beginning at this Scripture, preached Jesus to him. Again, that's a vitally important thing to think about in this passage. Again, he didn't kind of go into kind of some kind of esoteric development about the nature of the prophet Isaiah. And he used this opportunity to do what he had been called to do. To preach Christ to him. One of the things that's important for us to see again is the way that the Old Testament proclaims Christ. Again, when we sing the Psalms, we are singing the words of Jesus. Again, when we sing the Psalms, we are testifying to the nature of our God who is the incarnate Word. When we read from Ezra, when we read from 1 Chronicles, when we read from Leviticus, when we read from Joshua, we are reading the words of Christ. And we are reading words which teach us of Jesus. And obviously there's passages that are more clear than others. But again, this understanding is vital to the Christian life. Again, we don't have half a testimony. We're not new Testament believers. We are Bible believers. Now, does the New Testament help us understand what's in the Old Testament? Of course. But we can't treat the Old Testament as some kind of secondary literature. And one of the biggest mistakes publishers of the Bible made was putting that blank page between Malachi and Matthew. You know, really, it should go Malachi you know, 3.16 and then Matthew 1.1 right after it. Because the entirety of Christian Scripture testifies the nature of salvation. And again, Isaiah 53, of course, is a beautiful uh, example of the clarity of the Old Testament prophets when they speak of the nature of our redemption in Jesus Christ. And again, we see the words here. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And again, we, we know this passage by heart. We know what this teaches. We know the example of, of the application of it in the Gospels as, as Jesus carries His cross to Golgotha. Again, we hear the mocking of the Jews and of the Romans who say, if you are the Son of God, command angels to come down and, and, and save you. But how does Jesus react in the midst of that walk? Again, He is, is silent uh, before uh, those who are slaughtering Him. In fact, the only words we hear Jesus say there are those words of uh, intercession with God, asking that God would forgive His persecutors. Of course, we see this here in His humiliation. His justice was taken away. He, he, and who will declare His generation? For His life is taken from the earth. Again, who in fact will declare His generation? Of course, we know from Holy Scripture that not only had the apostles been given this responsibility to declare His generation to the nations, 
That is what the Great Commission tells us to do, to proclaim Christ and Him crucified, to proclaim Jesus unto the nations. But we also see in the midst of this passage a reminder, again, of the responsibility of each one of us to be prepared to give a defense for the hope that that is within us. Not all of us are called to preach. Not all of us are called to do personal evangelism. Not all of us are called to do uh, the work that we see here. But each one of us is given that beautiful responsibility to tell others about Christ. And how can we tell others about Christ if we're not prepared to do so? And again, we don't, we're not talking here about uh, some kind of evangelism training. We're not talking about some 12-step program to prepare us to go door to door. What we see from Philip is a faithful man who through the natural and ordinary means of God's grace has been prepared for this moment. And it's because he has faithfully read his Bible uh, every morning and every evening because he has lived in the Holy Scriptures that he hears the words of Isaiah and can speak to this man of Jesus. And that's what's the vital point that is being laid forth here in these words of the preparation of Philip, as well as of the preparation of the Ethiopian eunuch. Is the way in which the Holy Spirit again has brought these men to this point in their life, and He's done so again through the ordinary means of their life. And we we don't hear here that Philip, you know, just got a a vision from the Holy Spirit. And we're not told here that that Philip uh, discovered a scroll by the side of the road and it gave him knowledge about this special man who had come. And what we hear again is of this faithful man who has been faithful in little. And he is being shown being faithful in little is now being given this great opportunity. Of course, what happens, as we said to the Ethiopian eunuch, where does he go uh, from this moment? Of course, we know that he goes down to Ethiopia. And what does he do when he gets to Ethiopia? He teaches his fellow uh, brothers and sisters of Christ. That's why there's an Ethiopian church today. Because what we see going on in the book of Acts. And as we have continued and will continue to see, again, the amazing work of the spread of the gospel is through these ordinary means. It's through people like Philip faithfully presenting the gospel to a guy he meets on the road. It's through the faithful witness of those who know the power of the gospel work and who know their God and know their Bibles and know that they are nothing in themselves, but that they are fully made in the image of God and that they know the consequences not only of sin but of unbelief. And this is one of the things that, that, that motivates uh, the early church, that motivates the church in every generation. Again, of the reality of what uh, is before us. Again, as we hear there in uh, the book of Isaiah, his, in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. We hear in the words there again, who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. The blessed truth of the gospel is though his life be taken away from this earth, though his life be taken away at the cross, again, we know the rest of the story. We know that this lamb led to the slaughter, has been raised from the dead. 
We know this Lamb who has been shed for our sins, this Lamb is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us go from this place this morning, again, not only going to our Bibles in order to learn them, let us go to our Bibles that we might be refreshed in the knowledge of who our God is. We might see on every page the blessing of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and the mercy and grace that He has bestowed upon us through the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give